me, Julia Becker, and I'm here today with a bonus episode that includes a special announcement. So here's the announcement. This podcast is getting a new look and a new name. For those of you who've been around for a while, you know that I've been podcasting, you might not know this, for four years now. And the name of this podcast has been Love is Stronger Than Fear. And we have decided to make a change. So from here on out, this podcast will be called Reimagining the Good Life. And I have asked my dear friend, Patricia Clark, to be here today to interview me about why we are making this change and what it might mean for this podcast and for my work in general. So first, I will start just by saying, Patricia, welcome. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here. Um, So I'm usually the host of this podcast, and I get to ask lots of questions, but Today, I have asked you to come on here and ask me questions, but I'm going to introduce you first, and then I'll hand over the microphone, so to speak. So we have been friends for, I think, about 25 years now, and you have been one of the most faithful companions to me in my work throughout those years. Uh, again, for some of you who are listening, you may not know that I had an early self-published book uh, that I wrote over the course of five years. And I really think Patricia might have read 10 drafts of it, like over the those many years, and was just a huge, huge encouragement to me. And that's continued in so many ways. Uh, Patricia also is an accomplished leader and teacher in her own right. She's got a master's in English literature. She's working towards a master's in theology from Fuller Seminary right now. And she is the author of a, it's a book, but it's also a Bible study called Lifted by Love, which I highly recommend. I worked through it with two different groups last year, and we all really appreciated it. Um, Patricia also is one of the people who has just walked most closely with me in recent years as I have been growing as a writer and speaker and starting this podcast. So that's my introduction for you. And I now just want to turn everything over to you and you can say whatever you want to say and ask me questions about what is happening on this podcast and in my, you know, kind of writing work in general. Great. Well, I'm happy to be here, and it's funny that you brought up that first book you wrote because you were not a writer at that point. It was just such a risk, and you started writing this book. And I remember, I you know, I was just out of graduate school reading all these literary books, and I remember thinking, mm, there's some struggle points here. Like, I can see you're a new writer, but even back then, it was just, it was so good, and I was so mm-hmm. excited for you. So, yeah, we have been together on your writing journey and um, through lots of ups and downs in life. So, but most recently, I feel like we've been talking about this shift in what you're doing, both on your podcast and your blog and renaming everything. And I'd love to hear more about what brought that about, like what, what, what brought about the new name for the podcast? Thanks. Yeah, I, I think for the past couple of years, I've honestly been trying to figure out like, what is it that I'm doing? Not, I know that I like to write about certain topics, but how do they weave together? I think people look at the books I've written and say, whoa, you're all over the place. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm talking about what it means to be human. Um, That to me is a through line. And I obviously often do that by writing about family, by writing about disability, by having interviews here on the podcast about those things. But I have not been able to like succinctly say, here's what I'm trying to do. And I have a social media assistant named Amber, who is a wonderful companion. And she and I have been like brainstorming together. And you've gotten to 
process a lot of those brainstorms too. Um, and then you actually introduced me to Steve Perkins, who um, is a coach and leader who helps people. And he introduced me to someone named Chris Payne to help come up with like a tagline to say, okay, what is Amy Julia Becker? What are you doing? And we went through this long process that was really, really helpful to identify who is your audience? Who are you writing for? Who are you podcasting for? And what are the topics? And and what really makes the work that I do distinctive from other people's? And it was through that process that we came up with um, this idea of reimagining the good life, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to be only focused. I guess originally we had two other names as a possibility. One was perfectly human and the other was everyone beloved. Um, but they, neither one was quite as easy to kind of hang your hat on to be like, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I, I want to know more. And I'm curious. And I think I have an idea. I don't know. So we landed on reimagining the good life. And um, yeah, that's where we're moving from here. Well, I really like the name. I mean, I liked it so much when you said it. I remember thinking this is it. Because a lot of what you do is talking about um, your experience in the disability community. But it goes so much farther beyond that. And I personally have benefited so much from your thinking about disability. And so you don't want it to be a misnomer where people are thinking you are a voice for and about the disability community, because it really is so much bigger than that. And so this reimagining the good life, I'm curious how you like the process of how you landed on it, because I do think it captures so much of what you're doing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I wanted to, I didn't want there to be some sort of bait and switch where it doesn't, where disability is not included in any way. Like the people know that's a part of what I'm doing. And yet, as you know, I mean, for, I am not a person with a disability, at least not at the moment. Um, and I also have my, the emphasis of my work is not advocacy, which I think often is the case for people who are in like the disability space for good reason. I'm very glad Mm -hmm. for the advocates. Um, But it really is to um, try to invite people like me who are not, don't have a disability, but to actually say, how does this help us to actually think about what it means to be human and be connected to each other even more? And so that was part of the process was even literally asking the question, should disability be in the tagline? Um, is that going to be the center point? And I should say we've kind of on my website, what it will say is reimagining the good life, disability, faith, culture, to try to just be a little bit, I don't know, evocative with the reimagining the good life idea, and then very concrete with disability, faith, culture, like you kind of know um, more concretely what you're going to get. And the process was really, there were four of us, Steve and Chris, Amber and me, um, doing like a virtual whiteboard session of putting lots of different words and concepts up there. I've named some of them. We, for a while, had some phrases like from exclusion to belonging, from merit to belovedness, maybe something along those lines, or from striving to belovedness, something like that, um, which I really liked that idea of like movement. Um but we 
in the end, and some of those we kind of captured in terms of, yes, these are helpful and things that I will continue to write about and think about. Um, but it was really just a process of elimination. We got it down to those three, the everyone beloved, perfectly human and reimagining the good life. Um, and honestly, some of it was having conversations with our children. Amber and I went and just asked them with like, what do you think about these things? And um, with everyone beloved, they were like, beloved, it sounds like dearly beloved, like an old minister at a wedding. And we were like, yeah, we, that's not what we're trying to convey at all. And then with Perfectly Human, um, again, it just was like, what does that mean? Like, what? there just were too many questions. Um, and with Reimagining the Good Life, they were like, yeah, I want the good life. And I'm curious why you would want me to reimagine it. Yeah, when when I heard you were using the phrase the good life, my first thought went to back in the day when my kids were younger, the um, name brand that they really wanted and they wanted yes. to like spend the extra money on was Vineyard Vines. All the boys wanted like the Vineyard Vines, little preppy boys. And that was the tagline was the good life at Vineyard right. Vines. And it would be, a, and then they imagined it for you, you know, and it was sort of a classic yes. like beautiful people in beautiful places in the sun. And I love the idea of reimagining the good life, because if the good life you're imagining and you're kind of climbing this ladder of the good life and the ladders against the wall that you get to the top and you're like, whoa, this wasn't really that good. Um, yeah. You are inviting everyone to reimagine the good life. So I'm just curious, what is what do you think actually means to reimagine? Like, how, how would you lead us into that? Yeah, that's, that's something actually I was invited, I mean, a really long time ago, maybe 15 years ago to give a talk in Richmond at the Y. Um, and it was about, and I was asked to speak about hope. And I remember kind of learning about or thinking about the idea of the spiritual imagination for the first time with that talk and saying, and I remember saying like the spiritual imagination is a vehicle for hope. When I'm talking about imagination, I used to think that that was like fantasy, like um, something that could never happen and that you would just dream about as if, you know, you weren't living in reality. But I think that imagination, I mean, literally the word image is in there, right? It's like being able to envision something different or new. And so when I talk about like the spiritual imagination or the social imagination, it is envisioning something that uh, could be true. And for me, so much of my life with Penny, with a daughter with Down syndrome, has been reimagining the future, reimagining what's possible, reimagining what matters, reimagining um, what makes life good and valuable and meaningful. And so that's where the idea of reimagining came from, is just that idea of like, wanting to be able to envision a good future, but maybe in ways that are unconventional or that challenge the assumptions that I at least had as like a, you know, educated, white, affluent person um, who has not struggled with, you know, health issues, who doesn't have a disability um, for the most part. That kind of stuff is what has allowed me to think about reimagining. And how... I mean, I know that when you were younger, you know, I knew you, we met before we had children and you were always known for, you know, your intelligence and what you produced and what you contributed to the world. And then when Penny was born, was that difficult because you had imagined your life 
being good because of these things. Did that, was that difficult? I mean, is that how you imagined it before? I think what was, I mean, you're right that it was difficult when Penny was born. I don't think it's because, I I think it was because I couldn't imagine a good future for our family Mm -hmm. because I didn't know other families that had kids with Down syndrome and the um, way that my imagination had been shaped up to that point when it came to intellectual disability was that the, um, that things were sad and hard. Yeah. You know? And, and so I remember getting a coffee table book when Penny was a couple months old that had like beautiful full page photographs of children and adults with down syndrome, just living ordinary lives, like, you know, sipping from a straw or like mm-hmm. riding a bike or holding someone's hand, whatever. Um, and it re- literally was the first time I was like, Oh my gosh, I can imagine a good life for our family. And I realized I needed to meet older people with Down syndrome. I needed to talk to parents. I needed to just, yeah, have like a really different um, view that I, that I didn't have. I mean, I literally didn't have, and that's actually part of why we decided to go ahead and like, you know, have a blog and ultimately social media and show pictures of our family and write so transparently about it because we wanted to be a part of like, helping other people reimagine what um, family life might look like. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how our imaginations are shaped and whether our imaginations are telling us the truth or not. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think about that Vineyard Vines ad and that Vineyard Vines ad may be lying to us. You know, it's shaping our imagination that if you have this, if you're on a boat in this bikini and look this way, you will have the good life. And you have to question, is that the truth? And I think, you know, you talked about how your imagination was shaped. And then when Penny was born, your love for her pushed you to challenge that, you know, that that um, narrative that, that, that your imagination up till then was telling you. And to challenge it and say, is this actually true? Can I have a good life for my family? And I love that you have invited all of us in your new podcast to imagine wherever we are, to reimagine what the narrative of the good life we've believed. And is it true? And in some ways, I feel like whatever we imagine can be very limiting to us. There's so much, I think, I mean, I think there's even like research around this. And you and I talk about this often that like the stories we tell ourselves, which I think Mm -hmm. includes the like future we envision very much can limit what we believe is possible and therefore what becomes possible. Um, I also would say that I had kind of a, um, an understanding of the good life that once I tested it was like, wait a second, I've always assumed that my life is the good life because I have a, you know, relative stability and wealth and education and all of these things. And yet, as I, I mean, I wrote a lot about this in white picket fences, as you know, that, then I looked at my demographic population and was like the rates of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and, you know, a host of other problems are really high in this population. Like the population that we kind of imagine is living the good life essentially because of money is not living the good life according to happiness. And so it should at the very least cause, and it certainly did for me, questions of like, wait, what, what is the good life? And why do I think that it's this kind of American success story, as you said, like climbing the ladder to the top and then being like, 
wait a second, is this yeah. where I meant to end up? Like, yeah. and yet now that I'm here, I guess I'll pretend that this is a good life or something. Yeah. Or you just think, oh, maybe I need to climb higher. And then yeah. you get on this treadmill. So I think that is a typical thing that happens as well. So what kind of guests will you have on the podcast to help us reimagine? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about some of the guests that I know I will have this season. Um, and I, I, I'm going to name three that all are uh, actually disability related. But again, because it's just a helpful way to do some of this cultural reimagining. Um, there's a guy named Andrew Leland, uh, who is going blind. Like he's in the process of losing his eyesight, uh, which started in high school. He's now in his forties and he wrote an amazing book called the country of the blind about just again, reimagining his life, knowing that he is not going to have his eyesight. And so what does it mean? What's the sadness involved in that? What's What are the possibilities that it opens up? What are the um, stereotypes about people with uh, who are blind and what are the things that are real? And um, anyway, he does a really great exploration, I think, of some of these types of questions. Like, can I imagine a good life when something that has seemed really crucial gets taken away? Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also going to be talking with Micah Boyette, who has a son also uh, with a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and um, autism. And she has written a book called Blessed Are the Rest of Us. It's like a meditation on the Beatitudes mm -hmm. through and, and kind of a memoir of her experience as the mother of a child who was not who she expected. Mm -hmm. And again, how has that reshaped and formed her way of thinking? Um, and then the final one I'll know, I know about right now is I'm um, talking to Catherine Wolf. I think her book is Treasures in the Dark. I think that's what it's called. Um, and Catherine also is someone who had a um, brainstem stroke when she was um, in her 20s and had to reimagine what life would look like for her and for her family. So those are the types of guests I've Again, I've named all people with disabilities, but I'd love to be talking to people who are just asking these types of questions mm -hmm. and saying, what are the possibilities that a um, meritocratic, you know, kind of strive until you make it um, culture mm -hmm. cuts us off from? Like, what are the what are the possibilities if we actually live with a different set of assumptions about what makes the good life? And actually, I'll say one of the things that happened in the process of like, doing this rebranding, taglining, whatever. Um, one morning I woke up and it just was kind of clear as day that I was like, oh, I do three things, or at least I want to do three things in my work. Challenge assumptions about what makes life good. Um, proclaim the belovedness, the inherent belovedness of every human being and envision a world of belonging. Like that's what I want to do is challenge, proclaim and envision. Um, and I think that's something I would want this podcast to do too, is have conversations with people who are helping me to do those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, those people you listed, it's interesting because I know they do all uh, communicate in the disability community, but if you typically on a pod podcast, we bring in experts, you know, on mm -hmm. topics. And if your topic is, learning how to thrive as a human being, um, you know, it's like people who have had to come up against extreme limitations or um, overcome hard things. In a sense, they're experts at learning how to thrive and imagine a good life and actually live a good life within mm -hmm. the limitations of humanity. 
And the way that that speaks to me, and I've experienced this personally with you and spending time with Penny, is that when I bump up against my own limitations, rather than accepting them, I often just push myself harder or beat Mm -hmm. myself up or think if you don't overcome this, you won't be what you want to be. People won't, you know, love you as well or like you as much. And I think people who have operated in these spaces, like, I mean, I even think about the time I spent with Penny, it speaks to me that when we accept our limitations and allow people to love us within those limitations, there's some freedom there. And so you're bringing in experts to teach us how to do that wherever we're coming from. Yeah, that would be my hope. It's certainly what I have, like, I mean, I'm still learning this, you know, Penny's 18 years old and I feel like I got kind of set on this track a long, long time ago and I still have to do um, a lot of work to think, okay, how can I live in a place of, yes, accepting my limits and assuming possibility, you know, there's a balance there of like, assuming that we live in like the expansive love of God, that like that is actually the truest thing about reality. And so what does that mean for who I am, for how I relate to myself and to others and for um, what is possible in my life and in the world? Well, you, you have the three words, disability, faith, and culture. And I'm curious what your we've talked about disability a lot, but why those other two words that why did you include those? Yeah. I mean, again, some of it is like, I don't want people to get a bait and switch in the sense that I do. I mean, even what I just said, like the expansive love of God and it's like, Oh wait, we're talking about God now, you know? So um, I have a master's of divinity, as you know, from Princeton seminary, I am someone who really, really loves the Bible and learning from, I think, you know, from a, non-religious perspective, the Bible is definitely a book of ancient wisdom, no matter what, you know, but uh, from my perspective, it's also like a living document that has uh, given me tools to reimagine Mm -hmm. um, a good life, actually, like looking at the Beatitudes and saying these words of Jesus who talks about the poor in spirit and the people who mourn as being blessed. And um, I'd recently heard actually people on the Bible project talking about the Beatitudes and they translated instead of like, blessed are the poor in spirit, they said the good life belongs to the poor in spirit. And so that idea of um, the Christian theology and scripture being one way in which I am certainly like reimagining the good life and kind of checking my own assumptions. Um, so that's, I'd say where, why the faith part is in there. And then the culture is essentially also saying like, and all of this is relevant to our everyday lives. And we see things. uh, So for example, this past week, um, I read an essay in the New York Times by John McCorder, who is a linguist um, and a columnist for the Times. I really respect him. I read him all the time. Um, And he, in his column, mentioned that it is a silly thing um, when to say that someone has a disability, we really should just say they suffer from a disability because he said suffering is baked into disability, which Mm -hmm. I firmly disagree with him Mm -hmm. about. Um, And so that was an example of, and I think actually back to this idea of the good life, if we assume that disability and suffering are the same, then it is hard for us to imagine someone with a disability having a good life. 
it doesn't mean suffering is not a part of disability, but to just conflate it and reduce it to that. Um, there are so many things I think are problematic about that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote just like a little, you know, Facebook post about why I disagreed with John McCorder. And that to me is something that I want to keep doing to like engage the cultural messages that we receive about what a good life is and sometimes to challenge those or push back on them. Yeah, I I can see how they're all interrelated. You know, the faith piece, the Bible piece is a way of bringing ancient timeless wisdom to challenge and shape how we think of the good life. And then culture is always telling us and shaping, saying this is the good life and you're challenging that. So I I really like that. Um, So tell me about what you have coming up. What are you offering? Yeah, so the... I think one of the other things that has come out of this process has been me imagining <laughs> what um, what I might have to offer that goes beyond social media and podcasts and and essays and you know talks. Um, and one of those things, the one I'm excited about, is actually creating a webinar that I will be teaching and inviting people to attend. Uh, called Reimagining Family Life with Disability. So it is really designed for family members, probably it'll be mostly parents of children with disabilities, to say, okay, what are the myths and models around disability that we have in our culture, and how can we reimagine and push back against, challenge some of those assumptions and live towards belovedness and belonging. And then there'll be some like pragmatic tools of how each family can actually make a plan, like an action plan and take steps towards having a team of people to be in just friendship and support um, for their family. And then also moving towards a good future and really believing that that's possible and taking steps towards it. So that's the thing I'm the most excited about is that webinar, which I think is going to be offered in early May. I'll certainly be making announcements Mm -hmm. here about that as it comes closer. Um, And I have a book idea that is, you know, simmering. So hopefully that, that will also be um, in the works uh, and we'll see how the webinar goes my hope is that that would would lead to more teaching um, along those lines. Great. And so if I want to listen to your podcast and I am subscribed to this, will I automatically be converted to the new tagline or do I have to resubscribe? Let's just talk about the practical. Great question. Yes, you will automatically be just, you know, all we're doing is changing the name and the logo. But this, uh, if you are already a subscriber, you will stay one and please invite your friends. Okay, great. And if I want to reimagine the good life and I don't qualify mm-hmm. for your webinar, um, <laughs> you know, if if I'm not yeah. in the disability um, community, or, although I would say I think we all are in some ways, <laughs> um, how can I access information about reimagining the good life? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like, yes, just follow along. So whether that's being here on this podcast, or um, I have a newsletter that um, I'm now sending out almost weekly, with different uh, thoughts and, um, you know, telling people about podcast guests and things like that. So you can sign up for that. We'll put in the show notes a link to sign up for the newsletter. 
But then I also have been thinking about like, how do we use our imaginations to reimagine? And I think one thing is you do it with other people. Um, it's hard alone because we wonder whether we're just fantasizing, but I think other people who are in a similar place can help us to use our imagination. Um, I, again, use scripture as a guide um, and especially the words of Jesus, because he said a lot of things that were countercultural. Um, and he, I think, really invited people to imagine a different way of being and a different future for themselves. Um, I also think part of reimagining is recognizing the things that we say, I'm not even going to think about that because it could never happen. And where we feel a sense of like aching sadness that it's that that might be true. Mm-hmm. That's a place I think to pay attention to um, and to really ask is that true? That it's really not possible for that good thing to happen, whatever it is. Um, And then finally, and this has been so crucial for me, I mentioned this earlier, but finding people who are living the life that you want to reimagine. So again, for me, having a daughter with Down syndrome, finding parents and um, friends who are in both a current similar situation and living into a future that I couldn't imagine. Um, So actually going and saying, wait a second, I met a young man with Down syndrome who has a job and who lives independently. I didn't even think that was possible. Now I can imagine it. So finding those people, um, you know, finding the communities that have had stories of hope and resurrection and renewal within them and really saying, well, what would it take for us Mm -hmm. to live into that as well? Well, that's great. I mean, one of the things that I appreciate appreciate about our friendship is you really love to read and that's a part of your job. And so, and I think you just read such an interesting spectrum of material. And one of the reasons I love even just being your friend or following what you're doing is it's like you're a curator for me <laughs> of culture, of topics of faith, of things you're reading, books, movies, you everything, you name it. And I, it's it's like I get to go to your blog or to your website and get curated content. So I appreciate that. And um, I'm looking forward to having this tagline really shape what you're doing, whether it's books or webinar. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Any other thoughts? I think that's it. I thank you for doing this. Um, and thank you all for listening. And at the end of every show, I've always said, I hope and pray that, you know, you who are listening or whatever, um, can believe that love is stronger than fear. So I have to come up with my new closing line. So come back next week. Um, and you will also be able to hear whatever the new closing line of the podcast is, but for today, I'll just say thank you. That's great. All right. Thanks. Thanks.